All right. Hey, it's Brent Leary. It's Wednesday, right? Yeah, it's Wednesday morning. Well, now it's actually Wednesday afternoon. You can tell I'm off to a slow start this week. But anyway, it is Wednesday afternoon. It's nice. Yeah, little, little clouds, but still very nice, warm. And I'm here talking to, man, I haven't talked to this guy in so long. Um, it's been a minute. It's in. It's been since 2019, so it was pre-pandemic. That was in the before times. It. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> before you know all that. Before seven that. billion people got PTSD. Yeah, that's true. But he is Jeremy Epstein. I remember back in the day, and he knows this. I would always say Epstein. I felt so bad. I want to thank time... you for getting that. Yeah, <laughs> that guy screwed my SEO overnight. <laughs> what and destroyed the brand so i really appreciate that wow you know i'm i'm here for you man i'm glad I'm glad that you're here right now because it's been over three years or coming up on three years and my rams are now the super bowl champion rams <clears throat> right i should say that you have been <laughs> one of the few the proud the dedicated <laughs> Rams fans that I've ever met in my entire life. And you, you've stuck with them through thick and thin. And so I am thrilled for you that you picked up a well-deserved Super Bowl championship this year. I'm, I'm super happy. I really am genuinely happy for you. I think it's awesome. I, I thank you. And you're right. I've been with them through when I did have thick hair, then when it was thin, to when it's gone now. So, yeah, it's like I deserve this. I've but also I also noticed a little out. bit of gray in the beard, Larry. It's a little a new addition, a little bit. Yeah, just a yeah. wee bit. Just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. I, although, I'm looking back at you, man. Uh, Dude, a, I'm something. an old man. I tell everybody I'm an old man. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, you know, one of the things that's great about just saying you're an old man is it gives <laughs> you license to just, like, not give a shit anymore. You're like, I'm old. I, don't, I can say what I want I now. Know. Who am I trying to impress at this point? You know, yeah, it's, I don't it's over for me. Being old is good. I, I just lean in. <laughs> I will say this though. Three years ago, was it the Washington football team or is it still the other name? Are we really going down this route? I mean, I gotta get painful. your take, man. Before before we get into all the crypto and yeah. you know the genius that you are in this area. Thank you. you uh, not necessarily before all that. Yes. Before all that. You were a Washington football team fan. Now you're a Washington commander fan. How is no, that? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was a diehard Washington previous they shall not be named fan. <laughs> what was that guy? What's the dude? Uh, the Harry Potter, whatever. Growing <laughs> up. And and we had an amazing run in the 80s. Amazing run. Three, four Super Bowls, yeah, three. three titles. Yeah, It was awesome. But then Dan Snyder comes in and, I mean, just butchers the team. Like, it's, I, I resent Dan Snyder so much, it's borderline made me an anti-Semite. And that's a, big, <laughs> that's a big statement. Like, he's just terrible. And at some point in the mid-2000s, I was like, I'm sorry. Being a fan... It's like being, it's like being, it's like good CRM. 
the relationship between the brand and the customer is like between the team and the fan. It's a two-way street. I give you my loyalty, but you promise to put a good product on the field or at least make an effort. I understand there are going to be some seasons where it doesn't work. I'll be disappointed, but I get it. Rebuilding, it's part of the game and the drafts. I understand how the, the situation's set up, but like you at least have to try. <laughs> and Snyder just didn't feel like he was trying. And I was like, I'm sorry, I am divorcing this team. And then just to prove it, my son at the time was like four or five and I was getting my kids into football. And I said, look, you don't have to be a Washington football fan because life's hard enough as it is. <laughs> I said, you need to be a football fan. So I said, pick a team and stick with them unless you get to the point where you need to call the divorce. So he picked the Packers. Okay. That was the year that they went to the Super Bowl and won. So he was six. So I give it He's to him. But he stuck with him. He stuck yeah. with them for, since then. Yeah. So oh, he has. Oh yeah, totally. He's been a total wow. fan. I mean, when when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, it's not that hard. But yeah, really. he stuck with him. But I'm like, Washington doesn't deserve my loyalty because <laughs> they didn't do the 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 FRM, the fan relationship management. They failed. <laughs> now you you you've triggered me, Larry. You triggered. I me. know. Yeah, you don't even need that coffee anymore. You're you're up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Let's do this. You, right. you you get me excited, man. Oh yeah, non-factors in the house. Yeah, the our mutual buddy. We were talking the other day, and I mentioned to him, "It's like, yeah, I'm gonna have uh, Jeremy back on." It's like, man, that guy is just a ball of energy, a knowledge and energy. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great well, combination, man. Knowledge and energy. Oh, you good. guys are too kind. I, I I'm glad <laughs> that was probably why he commented on my LinkedIn on the LinkedIn comment because you were giving the heads up. He Absolutely. is one of the great MarTech brains on the planet. He Can is. we just give him a shout out for that? You know, that's why they call him the Midas of MarTech. They do. I didn't know they called him that, but it's a well-deserved name. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Great guy. By the way, Anand, I did get the uh, Chipotle gift card. I am very happy. Thank you so much. Oh, look at that. <laughs> got it in the mail. <laughs> look at that. Yeah, he's a great guy. All right, let's dive in. I had to go back into the archives because it has been a while. And here's the last time we talked. Give me like a high level overview synopsis of where and particularly where like the enterprise and, you know, the tech enterprise, where are they in terms of blockchain adoption? Is this early days? Have we even begun the game yet? Just tell me where we are with it. Okay, well, I'll put this in uh, terms that I know you can understand. Uh, we, are the, we are well past kickoff and we are into the first quarter. Um, I would say that we've got, you know, there are a few points on the board, no major touchdowns, a couple field goals maybe. Um, but the way I would substantiate that claim is as follows. I'm going to hold it off. At that point, because I don't need to run this whole thing because you're here right now. So if we were in the first quarter, all right, almost three years ago. Yeah. Where are we right now? In terms of enterprise adoption or just across the board? Give me both. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
I'd say with with enterprise, we're still it's still in the first quarter, but definitely coming to the end of the first quarter because like every brand now has heard about NFTs is a nice chunk of them are like rolling out NFTs. Uh, more and more people, he does sit down on occasion, but he likes to stand. It helps him get a nervous energy out. And he always refers to himself in the third person, of course, because <laughs> <laughs> he has to do that. Uh, you know, so I'd say the enterprise, at least on the marketing side, I think we've seen a nice acceleration um, on that front. Um, so I've been, you know, that hasn't surprised me. I think you'll see more and more. It's like the early days of social, you know, when brands started getting on board with like, oh, there's this Twitter thing. And they're like, oh, we, we should start using this Twitter thing and let's develop our social media strategy kind of thing. Um, as far as back office stuff, I don't really know what's going on there. I mean, I know in financial services, they're working on it. Um, as far as the entire crypto industry, still so early. Like I spend all my day here, here. Let me give you a number. So now I am the chief marketing officer of a company called RDX Works, which is the company responsible for developing the Radix public network. So XRD is our token symbol. The Radix public network is designed, is intentionally built to support a decentralized global financial economy. Now, let me put that in perspective. The global financial economy today is $400 trillion, okay? And that doesn't even include all the metaverse stuff that's gonna get created, all the growth. So I can't even take myself seriously when I say this, but it's not unreasonable to think that the global financial economy will one day in the next say decade be one quadrillion dollars. Okay. That's ridiculous, but it's possible. Now, I know what that means. Tell, I know. Give me that in poor person. It's, it's how many zeros. So I guess it would be if a million is six, a billion is nine, a trillion is so it's one with 15 zeros after it. It's a <laughs> lot of zeros, but so let's, so today it's 400 trillion. You know how much money, the whole world of decentralized finance, the whole crypto market is $2 trillion. Hmm. And the whole world of decentralized finance, which is like lending and borrowing and all the financial stuff, is $200 billion. So it's like 2,000 times smaller, if that's right, or whatever, than what it could be. So when you think about how small it is today and how big it's going to be, you're like, wow. And so what we've done is we said, okay, imagine a scenario where $400 trillion of value all takes place on a decentralized platform. What would that require? And then work backwards from that to build that network. That's what Radix is doing. So in the grand scheme of things, like, I mean, the UIs on Web3 sucks. The developer experience <laughs> totally sucks. You know, there was a hack yesterday for $650 million because the security is still bad for a lot of these places. I mean, it's like CompuServe Prodigy. Your, <laughs> when your mom just knocked you off your modem by picking up the phone when you were in high school kind of thing. Okay, 
these are engineering problems, they'll get solved, but like, it's still too hard. So anyway, that's my answer. Wow. So we're still very early days, three years later, we're still very early days. We are. I wish I could say we're, I mean, the pace of innovation is ridiculous. The growth is, is exciting, the, all that. But like, in terms of where the potential for this financial revolution enabled by crypto technology is going to take us, you know, I mean, there's seven, there are 2 billion people on the planet without a bank account. Mm. When, when they get a bank account, you know, then we'll know we're getting there, you know? Well, is their phone kind of their bank account, their digital bank account? Their phone will be their wallet, but it's not their digital right. bank account. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I, there's a story I saw about a guy who took, was escaping Ukraine and you know all the banks are shuttered the atms aren't working your credit card's not working but he walked out of ukraine with a couple thousand dollars of bitcoin on his phone and he was able to restart he took his families like get them restarted in whatever country was it he was in like imagine that you know i've seen stories of people crying in venezuela like if it weren't for bitcoin and crypto assets we'd be dead like that's amazing. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg of that. You know, that's what motivates me now, man. It's just like, you want to talk about equality and, and inclusiveness and all that stuff. You know how discriminatory our current financial system is on so many levels? It's offensive. Mm. It's downright offensive. And look, this thing's not going to be perfect. Web3 is not going to be perfect. It's going to have all kinds of problems with it. But I think it can... Just like the internet, internet's got all kinds of problems too. But is it a net positive? You and I wouldn't be doing this without it. And that's I think true. it is. And I that's how I feel about you know crypto and DeFi. But hey, man, I'm a I'm a radical. <laughs> so maybe you could tie some things together. You mentioned Web three. Yep. You are you talking about crypto? Yep. You're I threw a lot of jargon out there. NFTs are going to be in there. Tie it all together. Where does sure. where do all these things come together and eventually have impact on regular people who are not at the bleeding edge of this? Yeah, I think it basically comes down to uh, who has control and opportunity. It's you individuals should have more control over their own assets, their wealth their information and be able to leverage those to create additional opportunity to access opportunities freely without, without other people telling them what they can or can't do. I mean, I'll give you one example. Are you familiar with accredited investor laws? No. Okay. So accredited investor laws basically say, unless you have a million dollars of assets and make more than $200,000 a year for two years in a row, there's certain opportunities like early stage companies you cannot invest in. It's illegal for you to invest in them. Now, if you've tracked the growth of software companies, you know that the big opportunities come early, but those are off limits to poor people. Why? and even middle income people. Why? 
because somebody thinks, oh, poor and middle income people don't know how to manage their money. They don't understand risk. They're basically stupid. We'll let you buy lottery tickets, <laughs> but we're not going to let you invest in the next Uber, the next startup, the next whatever, because it's too risky. So we're going to reserve that for rich people. And that's what happens. That's offensive. I would rather live in a world where I say, look, it's your money, Brent. It's your money, Anand. It's your money, whoever. Invest it where you want. That's being able to have control and being able to have opportunity and be able to do what you think is right for you and your family and your what community. And those and anywhere in the world at any time. That's what Web3 is about is is leveling, is truly leveling the financial playing field. Internet leveled the information playing field. Now you are as powerful, if not more powerful, than CBS and NBC, because you can create one thing and it can go viral. We all know that, right? It wasn't obvious to everyone. I mean, it was obvious to the two of us 15 years ago, but not everybody else. Now it's obvious to everybody else. The financial playing field is not level. The reason why we have so much inflation now is because the Federal Reserve has been printing all this money. But you know who got the money first? The really rich people. Why? Because it, it drove up stock prices. So really rich people made a ton of money. And now there's 7 to 8% inflation for everybody. Why? Because the Federal Reserve printed 40% of all new dollars ever created have been created in the last two years. That's not acceptable. And it's not going to create the stability and the opportunities for growth that we all need for us to prosper as a globe. And Web3 is about taking the power back from the people and the institutions that have basically captured it for themselves. See, now I sound like I'm totally off my rocker. And I kind of... No, I like this. But here we are. The first, I don't know, I guess industrial revolution or first yep. economic revolution was around farming and agriculture. Mm-hmm. And so the few owners of land and other things and other kinds of property, they benefited while all the workers, some of them didn't get paid. So we moved from that to the industrial revolution. And part of that was people who still didn't have, wanted to have, and the opportunity seemed to be there if we're changing things up, if we're moving from a farm base to an industrial, that should provide even more opportunities for regular folks to make some money. Of course, that didn't really happen. The guys who owned the plants and the means of manufacturing, they got all the money. The workers got more work and dangerous work at that. Then, you know, years after, he had the computer revolution, and that was supposed to open up more opportunities for more people to make more money. And that happened to a certain extent, but mostly the people at the top got even richer. Now we're talking people with hundreds of billions of dollars, whereas the average worker is still kind of working on the same wage scale. So with all that as a backdrop, now we have this Web3 thing, and the, the promise of it is to spread the wealth, 
spread the opportunity. But won't it or will it? I don't know what will happen. But based on the track record, this just seems like another opportunity for the folks at the top to get even more of the wealth and get it faster this time around than the regular folks. So, so I love how it. Regular yeah. folks benefit this time. So I think I challenge your premise. Okay. Is that I'm not going to disagree that there are people who make a lot of money out of new innovations. And frankly, that's fine with me. I don't really care. But I would right. argue that the standard of living and the quality of life for people today is significantly higher was than when they were working on the farms, serfs in Russia, you know, sharecropping, whatever. We have better education, better food, better health care. You know, you talk about the new technologies. Everybody and their mother now has a phone. You know, you have the computing power. I mean, I was in, you know, two stories that blew me away recently. Number one, I was in Mexico for a, a conference and the driver of the car, his English was amazing. And I was like, oh, how, how'd your English get to be so good? Did you live in the US at some point? He's like, no, I just watched a lot of YouTube and I taught myself. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, same thing. There's a guy on my team at Radix who's from Vietnam. Same thing. And he's talking about that's what people do now. You can educate yourself. So that could never have happened pre-internet. And now he has opportunities, you know, that, that he didn't have before. So, yes, are there going to be people who are adversely affected? Of course, you know. But think about all these people who are TikTok influencers, YouTube influencers. They're making a lot of money. They weren't at the top of the pyramid before, but now they have this opportunity. You have an opportunity to build your business on this platform, get your name out there. I mean, your name's already out there, and it's one of the great all-time names, of course, but continue to promote. Like, I, I'm not sure I'd agree that, like, we're worse off than we were, you know, 50, 100, 150 years ago. These technologies have generally moved everybody forward. I mean, in India, you know, everybody has a cell phone. I mean, I think 50 years ago, that would have been mind boggling, <laughs> just like insanity. And now it's like everybody's super connected. So I think there's like a lot of things to look at. I mean, there's always room for improvement. And I think that we'll see the same thing. I don't mind if a few people get really rich. What I do mind is that when the opportunities aren't available to everybody. And I think that's this is a trend in giving more people more opportunity, just like the Internet gave more opportunity, just like the Industrial Revolution gave, gave more opportunity, just like the agrarian opportunity, just like going all the way back to Gutenberg and the printing press. It brought <laughs> literacy or opportunity to read to more people. So, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to say. At least we have one person watching. <laughs> All right. I agree with a lot of what you said. I think the floor has increased as those things change, but the ceiling has gone through the roof, so to speak. That's it's true. definitely not the same level of travel for, between the ceiling. I mean, the floor 
and the and the ceiling and the roof. Now I understand that. Yeah. I also think you're I love the kind of looking at the creator economy. I can go on LinkedIn, no, excuse me, YouTube. And I do this a lot. I love watching people's reactions to stuff like music I grew up with. Prince, mm. perfect example. I will go on YouTube. You can do a search. Prince reaction. You'll come back with thousands of videos. Some of these folks I can watch because they do a great job. Their reactions are cool and the way that they look at and it just makes me feel good about there's an appreciation for the music I grew up with from, from these younger folks. But these folks aren't just doing it just because they like to. Now, part of them do. They have built, some of them built hundreds of thousands of followings. They're doing the merch. They're doing the Patreon. So they're creating opportunities where they would have never been able to do so because of this stuff. So I totally get it. But I think what's really part of this growth is that other people see it. They want to do it. So they create the same thing because it doesn't cost much to do a reaction. Just have an Internet account, webcam, you're good to go. OBS. So you're seeing a lot of that. And I think you're going to see more of that. And where those hundred folks that had the hundred thousands of followers were able to maintain a pretty significant amount of money. That starts to go down because more people find out, oh, we can do this. I can do this. I don't have to pay a lot of money. I'm doing it. Where the the main money still seems to be traveling up to a, a limited percentage of folks. So in the end, yeah, you do see a few folks are able to use their ingenuity and their creative thinking to to pull some stuff together and make some money but it gets harder for the other people who want to do that because they're not really creating anything that is unique which is you're right it's there it's there we're, we're on a show about marketing here man marketing is all about differentiation if you're the 15th prince reaction you're not you just turn into a transformer you're yeah. all of a sudden you got that tinny voice came back. Oh no! What? I don't know what happened. Huh. It's like as soon as you went into that marketing, the transformer came out. <laughs> How about now? No, you still. Man, uh, that me, was messed up. Let me you turn on. Okay, I'm not hearing anything now. Nothing. Oh, this is just a great conversation. <laughs> Still nothing. I was muted there. All right, now I hear you, and it sounds better. Okay, so screw that headphone. Um, if you're the 15th Prince reaction video, <laughs> you're not different. Right. right. So that's marketing. Like, as a free marketeer, who's, your job is to find where is that niche. There used to be a niche for Prince reaction videos. Someone saw it, said there's a market out here. Exactly. You know, there's a market out here. I'm going to go 
find it. And so that that gives people an opportunity to say, oh, I'm going to go fill that. So there are other niches out there. That's what's great about these this global platform is there are billions of niches out there. By the way, I went to Paisley Park this past summer, so I should have, we should compare notes. It was pretty epic. Yeah, it was good stuff. Nice. Um, nice. So, all right, well, take, take that. I love that. I, I, I get what you're saying. Well, what it feels like, we're about to do the same thing that happened at the gold rush, the beginning of the gold rush, where somebody found gold, said, hey, man, I got we got gold over here. Millions of people come, tin pans. And the only people that, raised, that made significant money were Levi Strauss and the guys selling all the picks and shovels to all the wannabe rich dudes, which ended up not being rich at all, except for the few folks who were smart enough who were, you know, had the ingenuity to sell the things that everybody needed, trying to get rich, that had no 100% shot of getting rich from coming out there. I think I see a lot of that going on here. And I could be wrong, but I'm just wondering, how can we make things different this time around in Web3? And this is this is not you know, your charge or anything, but I can tell you're passionate about this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that the opportunities also lead to significant percentages of people being able to enjoy more of what the rich folks currently get? I think that's a great question. I think a lot of it comes down to who owns the network. Right. And who owns right. the quote unquote means of production? If you look at our current system, the ownership of our of our financial system is limited to, you know, a handful of shareholders in a couple banks and what have you. In a decentralized network environment, it comes down to how broad and how distributed and how wide your network is. And everyone who's a member of the network shares a piece of ownership. And also you can participate in multiple networks. If one network is not delivering you value, you can easily leave it, easily join another one. And you have the opportunity to participate and benefit from the growth. Like Facebook, we're all part of the network, but right. the value only accrues to a handful of people. But every time, you know, when you and I join network, join Facebook, we add value to Facebook. Right, absolutely. How much value do you get from Facebook economically for having increased their share price. None. Yeah, you get some marginal social value because you connect with your friends for sure. Marginal but, is right. But Absolutely. the two millionth person in Bangladesh who joins Facebook doesn't really add a lot of value to your life. So, but it adds value to Facebook. Right. In a, in a Web3 environment, every single person who joins the network contributes in a valuable way and every single person benefits in a valuable way. If you have a token, if you have an XRD token, which is the token behind the Radix network, there are only 2.4 billion tokens out there. So every single person who joins in increases the value of, of the XRD for every single person. And so I think it's the model of ownership. It's the, instead of having control and value accrue to a handful in the center 
control and value are distributed and dispersed to every single member who's a contribute who's a contributing value creator and it could be just i have a token it could be i'm staking my tokens it could be i'm building an app it could be i'm using it there are multiple ways to participate but if you hold one of the tokens you are an owner of the network there's nothing you could do like right now we are creating value for linkedin but you're not getting paid by linkedin for any of that value in right. a web free world you will all right so let's talk about we're in a world in the u.s where comparatively speaking incredibly wealthy in terms of just the overall you know value that the country has compared to other countries even individuals in the u.s for the most part live better than a lot of people that are in the third world or whatever you want to call it but there's a lot of inf old infrastructure there's a, a lot of old mindsets a lot of things that i think are going to limit the adoption of some of the things that we're talking about whereas in other countries where they don't have any of this stuff they need something they don't have any hang-ups to use something new like mobile phones because they don't have any real infrastructure for landlines and all that kind of stuff come to find out you really don't need it because of the mobile phones so they are much more likely to go full bore into this and find success but aren't there also going to be these huge organizations that like the status quo they don't want to see anything change they're going to lobby. They're going to do all sorts of stuff, buy things to shut them down. Do you see a different ending than what we've seen in the previous years with, you know, the few being able to, for lack of a better term, dictate, dictate what takes place so long that by the time we, we do or we have an opportunity to move past it, it's not that useful anymore. Is there a, a window of time that this stuff really has to happen in in order for it to take as big an impact and effect as it possibly can or else the, the clock is just going to be run out by the, the powers that be until they're ready to, to let things change? No. I mean, the way I look at it is there are always going to be entities that are disrupted by new technologies. Like it's like the, can you say the newspapers were really upset about the arrival of the internet, you know, or the postal service or retail stores, you know, ask circuit city, ask blockbuster, how they feel about it. Right. <laughs> you know, so the reality is, this technology, this whole um, sort of paradigm shift to a decentralized financial platform or platforms, that genie's out of the bottle. And the reality is it can, it, it will, it cannot yet, but in some cases it can, and I'll give you one example in a minute. It will deliver financial services 
at orders of magnitude cheaper than we currently do it with better security and with lower costs. Ultimately, it's not always there yet, but it is. It's just like you could see the first time you send email, you're like, well, this is better than writing a mail through the letter, uh, through the to a letter through the mail. Also, writing better writing a mail through the letter also. But <laughs> so like you're going to have that. I think you made a, a really good point. Just like, you know, Eastern Europe or Africa was able to leapfrog to straight to cell phones. There are going to be societies that have crappy financial infrastructure and or little to no trust in their government. I mean, go talk to people in Turkey. Talk to people in Zimbabwe, Argentina, Brazil, Venezuela, Cyprus. I can continue where they don't trust the central banks and the governments to do it. So for them, the way you stop it, the only way you stop this is by shutting down the Internet in the country, like literally shutting down the Internet, because all you need is one of these things to basically have access to this global 24-7 permissionless financial world. And that's really, really powerful. In the U.S., there are entrenched interests, and you're going to see them fight back. And you know what? That makes me sad as an American because we're going to be, and we are, I believe we're in the process of giving away technological leadership to other places because this revolution doesn't need to happen in any one place. It doesn't need to be in Silicon Valley. It doesn't need to be in the U.S. And in fact, a lot of people are like, I'm avoiding the U.S. It's too much hassle for me. Mm -hmm. So the innovation is happening in other places all the time. So there's a window for on a country by country basis, you know, but on a global basis, it's inevitable. It's like you saw this technology and, and I'm, you know, you're an early adopter. You know, the first time you get email or the first time you build a web page, I remember people like, why would I ever need email? Why would I ever need a web page? My all-time favorite, I'll ne I'm never going to feel comfortable putting my credit card on the internet. You know, I'm never going to need a smartphone. Like, okay, you know, I've seen this movie like 12 times at this point because I'm an old man, like we talked about before. <laughs> and at this point, like, I'll wait, you know? Like, your hesitancy is my alpha. And I'm like, okay, I'll catch it on the way up. And it's like, this thing is inevitable. It's now, it's so much better. And it's going to provide more opportunity. Will it be perfect? Of course not. I saw the question come in is, does it change illegal activities or does it make it? Yeah. Like, are they going to happen? Absolutely. Do they happen now? Sure. Do billions and billions of dollars of money get laundered through our traditional financial system significantly more than already <laughs> was happening? Absolutely. You're always going to have criminals who are going to find do it. Just like you find people on the internet using to create, to do illegal stuff. We have to come up with new ways of trying to prevent those types of things from happening or enforcing. I'm not saying like it's going to happen. It's already happening. We have to deal with it. But at the end of the day, my personal belief is that the positives will far outweigh the negatives. So just like the positives, of the Internet far outweigh the negatives, even though they're things, horrific things like child porn and crap that you don't want. That happens. It doesn't mean the internet's all a bad thing. The technology is immoral. So, like, hmm. I think the world, like, you're starting to see countries like El Salvador is a good example. They're like, we're tired of having your US dollar inflation exported to us. 
that shouldn't be our problem, that your Congress is irresponsible. So we're going to start de-dollarizing, you know, and other countries are going to do the same thing once they realize how vulnerable they are. They don't want 8% inflation thanks to, thanks to, you know, all of the money we're throwing out there. So I think like, you know, this momentum is going to continue to build. It might take a decade. It might take two decades, just like the internet. I don't know how long it's going to take, but to me, the waves building, it's obviously better. And my one example is this was sort of an aha moment for me, maybe five years ago. I had two clients, one in uh, London and one in Zurich. And they both owed me like a thousand dollars of whatever travel expenses or something like that. So the Swiss guys were like, we're going to do everything by the book. We're going to send it to you. We're going to wire it to you. Have you ever sent an international wire, Brent? It's an absolute pain in the ass. It's they're going to wire it to you. <clears throat> They're going to wire it to me. Fine. Two failures and three weeks later at a fee of $72, I got my money. Meanwhile, the guys in London are like, oh, we'll be happy to send this to you in crypto. Fine. Four cents and 10 seconds later, mm. I had it. And I was like, game over. Like, how does this compete with that? I'm like, there's no way. It's I, and you have to call the bank. I mean, it's so antiquated, it's ridiculous. I'll I'll give you another example that's totally between the, the confines of the United States. Can't tell you who, but one of my clients, you know, you got the invoice and you have a 60-day wait. Yep. Before you get paid, yeah. Or if you want your money faster, you can get it faster. And the faster you want it, the more of a percentage that comes out of it. Yep. That's not technology at all. Nope. So yeah, I get it. It's it's all about you know the power. Who has the power? Who who has the con? And yeah, if you are in a completely different country you do feel i i would assume put on put on put under somebody else's mess which yep. completely impacts you and you have absolutely nothing to do with it yep all right dude it's always a great conversation thanks for letting me rant i really appreciate it Oh, no. Thanks for letting me rant right back at you. I mean, you know, I, I I usually end up, you know, talking about the CRM, the CX stuff, which is great. But there is more things going on outside of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I will ask you this, and then we'll let you go. Um, the last time we talked, you talked about possibly seeing a future where enterprise applications are built without having their own databases attached to it and having to always ask for permission from the actual owners of the data to access that. Mm -hmm. Do you still see that future? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, you're going to, it's going to be a migration to, um, you know, again, we're still, like we said, we're so early. Um, 
but I think more and more people, once they realize, and once the tools are there, again, like they're very immature. Once the tools are there, you can, the, the, the power, just like social media changed the power dynamic between brands and consumers in terms of, you know, from one way to two way and, you know, United Bricks guitars being your classic example and all that kind of stuff. This Web3 will further change the balance of power about data. Um, it might take a decade, but it's it's the same type of, I, I believe at least, it's the same type of um, innovation path. We'll see. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Oh, all right. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I, I tend to agree. What, ever since the Apple 14.5 update came out, privacy has definitely become more in the forefront as people learn more about what's been going on for years with their data, who's had access to it, what they're doing with it, how it's being used against you. <laughs> so it's like you pay, as a consumer, you pay for the product, but you also pay with the information you have to give up when you buy the product and where that information is, I'm going lots of stuff going on there. They always say like, remember if the product is free, you're the product, right? Yeah. But now you have to pay for the product yeah, and you cool. pay with your information. True. It's like, true, what's the true. point? That is true. That is true. Anyway, I know you write about this stuff. You talk about this stuff all the time. So where can people go to hear you and to read you? I mean, if anyone wants to continue to listen to me rant after this, I'd be shocked. <laughs> but if they want, uh, JER979 on Twitter. Um, I blog five days a week at blog.neverstopmarketing.com. Uh, just about a lot of crypto stuff, but occasionally whatever comes across my mind. Um, but yeah, Twitter and the blog are sort of the big ones. And then, you know, uh, my company is radixdlt.com. So same thing on Twitter. So any one of those will be good. And um, yeah, happy to hear what people have to say in their questions. Like I don't have all the answers and I love the challenge because, you know, there are a lot of angles I don't see. So uh, it really helps me think. And I really am grateful for the time as well as your thought provoking questions, Mr. Leary. It's always great talking with you. Shout out to Tom Harshbarger. Have you talked to him lately? I haven't talked to him in a while, man. Yeah, that's right. He put us together way back in the day. That's yeah. right. Harshbarger. Yeah, good guy. Good Got to look him up because, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be doing this right now. So. That's true, man. <laughs> the power of networks. There you go. All right, man. Well, thanks again. We're not going to wait another three years, almost three years, before we do this. That'd be good. No more pandemics. That'd be great. No. And, and is the divorce final? Are you not – a Washington football team fan anymore, or is it? Yeah, I'm done with those clowns. <laughs> got a new, got a new woman in terms of a team football yeah. team. <laughs> I thought they should have just kept Washington football team. I thought that was classier. Just like leaving. I thought it was too. Yeah, like what? What's, why do you need a new name? Just so you can sell more merch, probably. I mean, who cares? Washington football that team sounds... is just like the Washington. It's just like that's enough. You don't need more than that. But you know, I liked it. They didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> they should have. No, probably because I told him how much I hated them. So it's probably not. not or the fact that Snyder almost 
literally drove you to anti-Semitism. Yeah, that would really bad. be. <laughs> That's how bad. That's how bad of an owner Snyder is. I'm not advocating anti-Semitism by any stretch, but <laughs> right, he's, he's terrible. He's terrible. Anyway. All right, man. Thanks again for doing this. Thanks to everybody out there checking it out. See you tomorrow. Oh man, Jeremy, I didn't even tell you. Tomorrow, me and Paul Greenberg doing a special CRM Players episode. Nice. The state of CDP in a post-pandemic world. We got execs from Microsoft, Oracle, SAP, Salesforce, Treasure Data. It's Whoa. gonna be fun. It's gonna be that's fun. Like a, that's like the dream team right there. We got the the oh and the co-host that we we're having, uh, David Rapp. He is the founder. He's the one to coined the phrase CDP. Dude, you guys play at like the highest level, of, <laughs> and you've been playing at the highest level of CRM for a long, long time. So I'm not surprised that you can bring such an incredible crew together and that's why you know you guys you're like the lebron james of crm you guys are always at the top of your game With, but on that note folks too much <laughs> we'll talk to you later